inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to be with you today. My name is Walker Wildman, broadcasting live here uh, on American Family Radio Network. This is AFA at the Core. Uh, We broadcast this each day on American Family Radio each weekday, and we re-air on Saturday as well. So you can hear it about six days out of the week, if my math is correct. Um, AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is the website. You can go there, listen live, and also catch past shows. Catch past shows. You can also download the American Family Radio app. If you download the AFR app, it's free. It takes you a couple minutes. And then you can listen to AFA at the core at your convenience as well as listen live. And uh, lastly, we are live streaming the video as we do each weekday uh, on Facebook and YouTube. Just go to AFA at the core Facebook or YouTube. Either one of those places or either one of those places, you can uh, watch the show live and also watch the video after the show as well. So multiple ways to keep up with the show. You know, we, you really can't have the excuse that, well, I just can't find you. I just can't listen to you. Well, <laughs> we're out there, Bobby, on the World Wide Web. So that's the key thing. you got to have the World Wide Web. We are everywhere, everywhere. That's right. And we're, you know, if nothing else, we're just a phone call or an email away. So There you go. We are out there. Uh, AFA at the Core is out there on all kinds of platforms and locations for you to find us. And we have FM radio networks, FM radio stations across the country, about 180 of them broadcasting around the country as well. So technically, we're not just on the Internet. We're on the airwaves as well. Our verse of the week, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 29 and 30. 30. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. That's out of the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Words of wisdom there. Don't plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Don't harm those who trust you. That's what that's saying there. And don't contend with man for no reason. If you're going to contend, make sure it is based on conviction. Make sure it is based on something worthy of substance and worthy of contending instead of just uh, willy-nilly contending with man for the sake of contending with man. Um. Jumping into the content of the week, we're going to have a, or the content of the day, rather, we're going to have a special guest next segment from uh, Tyndale House Publishers. He's going to be on with us next segment. Jim Jewell is going to be on with us from Tyndale House talking about uh, their uh, New Living Bible translation as well as some of the other work they do. They also publish books as well, which I learned that today. Uh, So we need more uh, Christian publishers. This is this is excellent to have Christian publishers because, you know, a lot of the secular publishers they're choosing not to publish um, books that are written by Christians, written by conservatives. Uh, they're not choosing not to publish them or to pull them from their um, from their platform. So we need more publishers like Tyndale. So we're going to talk with Jim from Tyndale here in a little while 
Uh, jumping right into the news of the day, this uh, the the left's move to really tax more. That's pretty much the simplest way to put it. Uh, this left's move to tax more, uh, folks. We we don't need to to look at this as well. They're going after the rich. So us us uh, middle class folks, we ought to be all right. <laughs> no, the Democrats they want to go after everybody's money. All right. They want to go after everybody's money. They may start at the rich because those are easy targets, but um, they want to go after everybody's money. And on this note, you know, one of our core values here at American Family Association is stewardship, biblical stewardship. Stewardship not only applies to our finances, but it applies to every aspect of our lives and making sure that we are good stewards of that which God has entrusted us with. The the political maneuvering and the constant badgering of a rich people is honestly unbiblical. Well, Walker, how can you say that? Isn't money the root of all evil? <laughs> Folks, money is amoral. Money can be used for good or it can be used for bad. Just like food. You can use food to nourish your body so you can work for God's kingdom, or you can eat too much food and be gluttonous and be sinful. You can extrapolate that and apply that to pretty much any inanimate object on this planet. But this going after the rich is really rooted in people's envy and jealousy that they don't have as much money as John Smith down the road has. And under no circumstances is that appropriate. Is that good? And the Democrats go, well, let's, let's just tax the rich. Folks, the rich already paid pay taxes. We're already taxing the rich. As a matter of fact, they pay more taxes than we do because our tax go, is on a scale system. And it, it's on a tiered system. It's not a flat tax. The more you make, the more you pay. And the more your rate goes up, your tax bracket. It's all the tax brackets. And so it's all, this is all built on, on, on falsehoods. It's all built on a falsehood, and the falsehood is that the rich are not paying enough taxes already. And you can get into, well, the loopholes, and, well, Congress wrote the loopholes, all right? <laughs> and they all use the loopholes, too, so that's a separate argument as to whether there's too many loopholes for everyone to use to skirt the tax system. But this, this, this rant against rich people is completely unnecessary, and it's actually immoral. There is nothing wrong with being wealthy. There is nothing wrong with being successful. And Christians don't need to be afraid of wealth and success. Can wealth and success lead to uh, too big of an ego and too much pride? Sure it can. But I know poor people that are too prideful as well. All right? So the main thing is that we keep the main thing the main thing. is that That is that we stay rooted in God's Word. We allow the power of the Holy Spirit to drive us. We stay obedient to His Word. That's the main thing. 
Money's not a bad thing. So let's stop demonizing rich people. This is getting so old. Let's stop demonizing rich people because if you happen to strike gold, you happen to get wealthy for whatever reason, then you should be able to enjoy that and you should be able to use your wealth for God's kingdom. Uh, so going after the rich people is getting old and I'm about fed up with it. I actually know people who have a lot of money and they're nice people. Uh, so money is not a bad thing. So we don't need to go after money as if that's a bad thing. Um, on this note, the whole reason I just went on that rant is because I came across this interesting tweet last night uh, by a lady by the name of Amy Tarkanian. Amy Tarkanian, T-R-T-A-R-K-A-N-I-A-N. She's on Twitter. And she's just a commentator. I, she doesn't really have this you know, fancy position for me to explain to you. Uh, so she was just commenting on the latest proposal by Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, on this unrealized gain tax, unrealized capital gain tax, that the Democrats are now floating around. And this gets to the whole tax the rich narrative pushed by the Democrats on a daily basis. Janet Yellen, uh, here, here's a tweet. Janet Yellen just proposed a tax on unrealized capital gains. She did this on CNN the other day. For those who don't know, that means if you buy a stock for $1,000 and it goes up to $5,000, then back to $1,000, you owe taxes on the $4,000 profit that you never made. This concept will literally bankrupt people. She goes on to say, imagine that tax being levied on the er in the era of crypto, which has volatile swings in the market. The fact that someone even said that is a member of the government is scary, scary, scary. So that's from Amy Tarkanian on Twitter. That's her commentary there. But that's so true. I didn't look at it that way. I didn't really, I was like, all right, another tax the rich narrative, whatever. Taxing unrealized gains, that means that's, that's money that you haven't really, they haven't realized. You haven't uh, used, you haven't drawn out of the market and into your pocket it's still floating out there and whatever you have it invested in, uh, that's uh, that's insane. Who would do that? Can you imagine how many people would flee the stock market if that went into effect? That you're paying taxes on money you haven't even made yet? Absolutely absurd. Uh, you know, and, and I'm starting to see people who, well, very wealthy people, very successful people that are typically liberals, they're starting to come out going, this is a terrible idea. And I'm like, where have you been? Where have you? Where were you last year during you know this thing called an election in 2020? <laughs> Bobby, they were nowhere to be found. But now that they're they're coming after their pockets. Yeah, it's um it, it, in and of itself to use a, a very old and used term. It's deplorable to think about uh, what they're looking at trying to do. I mean, their actions uh, here here again about a year ago. Um, that was deplorable in and of itself. Yes. Anybody who's going to vote for somebody who who doesn't even want to get out to uh, interface with the people, let right. them know what you're all about, and and run an, an election campaign from your basement? Yeah, that's what he did. That, that in and of itself should speak volumes. Yeah. So uh, now you know now now the 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 uh, rubber's hitting the road. The Democrats are really talking about going after the rich folks, people, the successful people, the wealthy people. Um, and by the way, the last thing I'll say on this is, you know, you think there's no harm in going after the people with a lot of money. Oh, sure. They've got, you know, they got enough money to give up folks. You start going after th these are the job makers. All right. These are 
the the CEOs, the people who started companies, very successful companies, they're the ones that 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 hire people. All right, big business hires too. I mean, we've all got a neighbor or someone that works at Lowe's or Home Depot or Walmart. All right, so this going after big business just for the just because they're a big business. I mean, once they were a small business. All right. Um, but you start, my point here is you start going after big companies and people with a lot of money, those people are going to start cutting back in other areas. All right. And the last thing we need is the job makers cutting back on the job opportunities and the job offers and the growth, uh, that is currently going on around the country because of capitalism, not because of socialism or communism. Another story I want to mention is out of Texas. This one was, boy, if if our our country, the, 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 the PC police, the politically correct police that are out there, you know, I'm fully convinced that all of this political correctness and the cancel culture that we're living in, I mean, this only benefits one side. This only benefits one side. It benefits the communists, the socialists, and it ultimately ends up benefiting the communist Chinese party. How can you make that connection, Walker? Because we can't talk about communism. We can't talk about how the Chinese run this totalitarian regime over there that is horrendous on human rights, no Bill of Rights, no constitutional amendments, no constitutional protections. That's a fundamental problem, but we can't talk about that because that's being mean to people in China. That's being mean to Xi Jinping. And a point, my point made here is the Texans CEO, the Texans football team, their CEO, Cal McNair, last year was at the Houston Texans Foundation Charity Golf Classic, actually this year in May. And Cal McNair, the CEO of the Texans football team and their entire foundation he said uh, at the event I'm sorry we couldn't get together last year because of the China virus end quote well after this event he heed and hauled and said I'm so sorry my comments quote my comments at the event last May uh, last May included inappropriate choice of words I'm so sorry I apologize to China we can't even call a virus what it is the China virus Texan CEO fawned all over himself to apologize to the Chinese Communist Party in America. See you in a few minutes. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Forty days of twice daily taunting from Goliath sent Saul and the Israelite army reeling in fear. But David's passion for Yahweh, conviction, and full persuasion stirred King Saul. When people are on fire for God, it often provokes others to glob on to that fire. But we must be careful to resist the well-meaning overtures of the flameless bystanders. Saul meant well, but his armor couldn't help. It would only slow David down. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. The holiday season will be here soon, and thanks to friends and social media, your girl is probably already pining for the latest and greatest. Now is the time to incorporate some conversations about the effect materialism has on our lives. Talk about how your family can be a gift of service for others this season. Create new traditions that de-emphasize the receiving of gifts and emphasize giving instead. Hebrews 13 shares, Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Challenge your girl to make an impact on the life of someone else. Having a materialistic mindset can leave her feeling dissatisfied, and this emotion can negatively impact her outlook on life. Giving to others gives her something cool to look forward to. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Dan Celia of Financial Issues. You know, there's probably never been a more important time in our economy to be thinking about a charitable gift annuity. I hope you'll do that just to shore up, to firm up some more income, permanent income, income that you can count on for the rest of your life while you're doing the Lord's work. A charitable gift annuity has been something I've been talking about for 25 years. Finally, we're seeing even mainstream start to get on board with the merits of charitable gift annuities. I hope you'll consider it. You can call the AFA Foundation. Someone there will help you work through the details and find out whether you qualify for a charitable gift annuity. Call and speak with a representative of the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. AFA at the core here on the American Family Radio Network. That was a version of Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance is a very well-known hymn. If you don't know Blessed Assurance, well, I guess you need to get out more. (laughs) Maybe you need to go to church more. Uh, On a serious note, the, um, the originator or the author, I love to read up the history of these songs because, you know, songs get... Uh, recorded by different groups, by different people over and over again, and you really lose track of where did this originate? Uh, Where did this hymn come from? So I looked this up, and this is a good old United Methodist hymnal, and um, a lady by the name of Fanny Crosby, she wrote this hymn. 
Fanny Crosby was around, uh, born in 1820, and she passed away in 1915. But Fanny Crosby, here's a little backgrounder about Fanny J. Crosby. She was blind at the age of six weeks. She was a lifelong Methodist who began composing hymns at age six. She became a student at the New York Institute of, of the Blind at age 15 and joined the faculty of the Institute at 22, teaching rhetoric and history. In 1885, Crosby married Alexander Van Alston, A-L-S-T-Y-N-E, Alston. He was also a student at the Institute and later a member of the faculty. He was a fine musician, just like Fanny, and a lover of literature. So Fanny Crosby, well, the last thing I'll say here, she was an author of more than 8,000 gospel hymns. She was an author of more than 8,000 gospel hymn texts. This was her gift. Uh, That was her gift for sure. She drew her inspiration from her own faith. Crosby published hymns under several pen names, including Ella Dell, Miss Kate Gringley, and Miss Viola V.A. Her hymn texts were staples for the music of the most prominent gospel song writers of her day. So there's a little background there. Next time you hear Blessed Assurance, whether driving down the road at home or at church, remember that Fanny Crosby, born in 1820, passed away, went to eternity with our Heavenly Father in 1915. So that's a little backgrounder to Blessed Assurance. Hey, I want to welcome to the Decision Maker line, Bobby. What you got, man? Just one quick footnote. That band was uh, called Celtic Worship, if you're looking for that version. So that's the one we just played right there, Celtic Worship. All right, good deal. Hey, uh, I want to welcome to the phone line a great guest for today, Jim Jewell. He's Senior Director of Marketing for Tyndale. Hey, Jim, welcome to AFA at the Core. Hey, thanks very much. What what a great way to start to hear about Fanny Crosby. Hey, man, yeah, that was a pretty fascinating (laughs) background there. Hey, Jim. If you you think you've uh, accomplished a lot, uh, think about 8,000 hymns. You know, I can't imagine. It's 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 fascinating. That that sure will yeah. humble us. That's for sure. If we think yeah, if we exactly. think, yeah. if we think we've accomplished a lot. Hey, uh, hey, Jim, you work. Uh, you're senior director of marketing for Tyndale. Tell us a little bit about Tyndale. Tyndale's been around for a while. Tell us a little bit of you guys' history. Right. Well, Tyndale House uh, Publishers were in the Chicago area, and uh, goodness, started in the 1960s, and really started. Um, publishing a Bible, and uh, this where the Living Bible started. Uh, Ken Taylor uh, uh, was um, teaching the Bible to his children, um, you know, lessons each night, and they were saying, Dad, we can't understand this. Why, why, why did they write it that way? And so uh, he spent uh, many train rides into Chicago uh, writing in his own words uh, the Scripture, and that was the beginning of the Living Bible, which... Uh, was an introduction to the Bible for some 40 million people over the years, and um, so really Tyndale has its roots in in the um, in the Bible and uh, mm-hmm. uh, writing the Bible. We've, we've gone on to um, to publish uh, many other translations, and of course in 1996, um, a group of 90 evangelical scholars uh, put together a translated uh, from the original languages the New Living Translation, mm-hmm. which is one of the primary translations uh, in the English world now. And uh, but uh, you know, Tyndale now publishes uh, many Christian books as well as Bibles. You know, and, G- uh, Jim, I wanted to ask how many uh, how many languages do you guys translate to? 
Well, we have partners uh, that are publishing in uh, the New Living Translation, and I believe it's six different languages Hmm. uh, now. And, of course, many others have translated our books and our Bibles on their own, but that's the ones that we've had our hand in. And and uh, so it's it's great to see the word out going out around the world. Of course, yeah, I I know I read every occasionally I read New Living Translation. I'm more of an ESV guy, but I know a mm-hmm. lot of people who love uh, the New Living Translation. Hey, uh, uh, another some another thing I learned about Tyndale is that you guys have this app, this Filament Bible app. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, this really remarkable thing. Um, it is a um, it's a Bible app. You you can download it on your phone, and um, it uh, what it does is it puts on each page of uh, of a filament uh, enabled Bible a little symbol, and when you when you scan that, it will open up uh, study notes, uh, Bible notes, uh, ar- articles, devotionals, videos, worship music for the page you're reading. Mm. So. Uh, you know, you're not looking all over through volumes of uh, aids. You actually have access on your phone or tablet the the notes and other materials that help you read and study that, that very page you're on. So it's a great innovation. Um, we're seeing um, people are looking at, uh, you know, what it does is it takes your, you can have a compact Bible. You can take it out to, you know, the coffee shop or the park or anywhere you're going and open it up with your with your phone, you have a study Bible and more. Yeah, um, you, and so, you know, Jim, uh, the, the 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 mobile devices get a bad rap in American society, and I get that you know there's issues with people being addicted to the screen. Um, but yeah. but in these in these foreign countries, where in these far far away countries where um, the print Bibles are not as readily available, especially in certain translations. Um, I've heard of these remote villages and areas that they're able to get phones with a Bible on them, and it's trans it's tran- transformative and quite literally spiritually transformative because Absolutely. you know instead yep. of ha- having to go to the printer, we just you can easily edit and change these apps remotely through the internet and technology, and people are getting to read scripture on these phones all around the world. Yeah, we tend we tend to be one step behind God in in most of these technological things because you know if you look at the history of the church we we've been suspicious of every new uh, you know development in technology including radio as you might remember from reading the history mm. uh, you know there were those that thought that you know the uh, radio was um, uh, was being you know a tool of Satan rather than of God and of course it uh, turns out to be one of the great uh, tools for uh, preaching the gospel. So in every new innovation, we're suspicious of it. But boy, you, like you say, you go around, you go into the smallest African village, and, and you'll see people using their phones and, and using it to, to access the Scripture. Amen. Hey, hey, Jim, what's what's you guys' website? Where can folks read more about Tyndale and all the great things you do, including the book publishing that you do? Right, Tyndale.com will take you in there. And if you are, are interested in the in the New Living Translation, that's newlivingtranslation.com. And uh, we've, uh, we're um, we're celebrating 25 years of the NLT right now, and 50 million copies that have gone out. Wow! And, uh, so we're pretty excited about that. You know, the um, we when you look at the the, the uh, decline of our culture of spiritual life, uh, really think a, a cause and a symptom. 
is the decline in Bible reading and literacy. Mm. Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's grim to see the numbers uh, on that. And we're we're committed at Tyndale. I know many others are to being a part of, of reversing that trend. And we we need to um, do everything we can, including um, putting the Bible before people and putting it in a way that they will, like we said, take any take it anywhere they go. And understand it and apply it to their lives. You know, you're, that's a great point you bring up there, Jim. And and the founding uh, of America, you know, our founding fathers, some of the first schools, and I, I'm not an expert on this, but I know people who are, including Stephen McDowell, but he showed me around uh, some of the early colonies uh, up in the Northeast, and uh, the, the the number one reading was the Bible. I mean, these these people, these guys went into school, and these ladies went to school at a very young age, and what did they do? You know, they didn't read some great poets of our day. They read the Bible, and they probably read That's that right. too. But the Bible was the central text in all of our schools and all of these major universities like Harvard. I mean, all these schools that are 200-plus years old, uh, the Bible was the central text for reading, and it, it, it had benefits right. across the board. Uh, so, thank, exactly right. hey, Jim, thank you for coming on, brother. New Living Translation, you can check out their website newlivingtranslation.com, but Tyndale has so much more as well. They have the app. Uh, they have uh, the book publishing part of their, their their organization there. Thanks, Jim, for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. There you have it, folks. That is uh, Jim Jewell, Senior Senior Director of Marketing for Tyndale House Publishing, or Tyndale.com is where you can find out more information about their work. And uh, they are the publishers of the New Living Translation Bible. Uh, that many of you are very familiar with. Uh, so good for them. And that's a, uh, it's important, folks, to have these independent publishers, and that's what Tyndale is. Uh, they're an independent publisher, independent company, and we need them. We need them because uh, they're able to not only publish God's Word, but they're also to pub- able to publish books by Christian authors, um, and they can do so uh, without uh, having to go through these big secular conglomerate companies that oftentimes uh, censor or block or water down uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it be through the Bible itself or through uh, these different books, these inspirational books uh, by writers all around the world. So good for them. Tyndale.com is where you can check out more information about their work. Hey, uh, next segment, we're going to take calls. And... um, uh, next segment, we're going to take calls, so I'll give out the number. I've got the number right here in front of me. I'm about to. I was going to ask Bobby for the number, and he was going to tell me that it's right in front of me. So I'm just going to read the number. <laughs> uh, the number to call in, and we'll take your calls next segment. Well, we'll go ahead and get the line filled up. Eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Once again, triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Call in to AFA at the core. We'll take your calls. Uh, next segment uh, with your questions or comments about today's show or whatever we've talked about in the past few days here on AFA at the Core, 888-589-8840. I want to play this clip of Attorney General Merrick Garland. He's been testifying before the House and the Senate, and he was questioned by Representative Thomas Massey out of Kentucky about this mysterious fella that was there on January 6th in Washington, D.C., and his name is Ray Epps. There's this guy, this mystery guy, that was in the crowd on January 6th in Washington, D.C., 
And this fella, Ray Epps, was instigating and, and just really stirring up the crowd and, and telling everybody to go into the Capitol, to trespass, to go into the Capitol, even though they all knew they shouldn't have been in there. And this guy named Ray Epps was just walking around trying to get everybody all fired up and agitated. And we can't figure out who this guy is. So uh, Representative Thomas Massey asked the Attorney General Merrick Garland, who is Ray Epps? Who is this guy? Were there any feds uh, planted in the crowd? Let's listen. So as I um, uh, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes or particular individuals. Can you tell us without talking about particular incidents or particular videos how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol and if any of them did? So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. I'm not going to comment about, I'm not going to break the norm. You know, these departments, they just make up whatever they want to make up. They have, their rules and standards change on a daily basis. And they, they, they pull this whole thing about, well, uh, we, we don't comment on ongoing investigations. Yeah, you do. You do it all the time. You give press conferences about ongoing investigations, and then you leak to the media about ongoing investigations. So this whole garbage about uh, we don't comment on ongoing investigations. Well, if it's the ongoing investigation against Donald J. Trump led by Robert Mueller and the whole Russia hoax, oh, you bet you commented on it. You know, you want to know how you commented on it? You leak to the media about every other day. Uh, Donald J. Trump being investigated, the Trump Foundation, and da 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 and all this information leaked from the DOJ, from the seventh floor of the FBI as well, talking about everything that's going on that damages Donald J. Trump. So the hoax that I don't comment on ongoing investigations is just that. It's a hoax. No, what they mean is we're not going to comment on stuff that may make us look bad. But if you want to talk about something that makes somebody else look bad, we'll be glad to talk to you. <laughs> that's the rule at the Department of Justice. Uh, that's Attorney, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Hey, next segment, we're going to take your calls. Here's the number to call in. 888-589-8840. That is 888-589-8840. We'll take your calls, questions, comments about today's show here on AFA at the Core. Be back in a few minutes. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is coming in November. Learn more at AFA.net. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. 
We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody, and this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MediShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for health care right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has a special offer and a lot of people are taking advantage of it. Simply apply by October 30th and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings. And of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. MediShare is a Christian community that has shared over $4 billion in medical bills and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. My name is Isabella, and I received my Operation Christmas Child shoebox shortly after the fall of the communist regime in Romania. During this difficult time in my life, this shoebox was a splash of color in my black and white world. You can make a difference in the life of a child by packing a shoebox through Operation Christmas Child. To learn more or to pack a shoebox gift online, visit SamaritanSpurs.org OCC. That's SamaritanSpurs.org OCC. Send joy to a child in need with Operation Christmas Child. Simply pack a shoebox with fun toys, school supplies, and hygiene items. Then bring it to a drop-off location during National Collection Week, November 15th through the 22nd. You can also build a shoebox online. The best part is the good news of Jesus Christ is shared alongside your gift. And each child is given the opportunity to participate in a life-changing discipleship program. Visit SamaritansFirst.org OCC to learn more. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core, or as Bobby likes to call it, the Core here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you. Hey, here's a number to call in. Um, to the core, and we'll take your calls here in a few minutes. Triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. Call in to the core, and we'll take your call here in the next few minutes. Questions, comments about today's show, we'll be glad to take it at triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. One thing I want to get to before we jump to the uh, calls is a clip uh, from the uh, an FDA advisory panel discussion here recently within the past few days. And what happens, how this works is um, the FDA has these advisory panels uh, where these uh, independent third-party uh, experts and scientists participate in the advisory panel calls and uh, sh- discuss and share their opinion about what they think about uh, anything the FDA is, is looking at or approving. So that's what they've been doing with these shots. And the discussion during this call, the context of this call, uh, of this virtual meeting, 
is whether we should recommend, whether the FDA should recommend we give these experimental shots under, still under emergency use authorization, by the way, to 5 to 11-year-olds. 5 to 11-year-olds. That is the central context of this discussion, which is a shame that we're even having this discussion because children are largely, largely, largely unaffected by COVID. Largely unaffected. The chances of them dying from COVID, I read the other day, is like two in a million. And we're about to give an experimental jab to children who are unaffected by COVID. In the name of what? So that's the discussion. Well, the FDA, one of their, one of the panelists, um, was a fellow by the name of Dr. Eric Rubin, and he's a immunologist at Harvard, amongst other things. He's the, technically, he's the adjunct professor of immunology and infectious diseases at Harvard School of Public Health, Dr. Eric Rubin. Well, when questioned about the safety of the jab for 5 to 11-year-olds, here is what Dr. Rubin had to say. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it, and that's just the way it goes. Well, this is what he just said. You heard that right. We're never going to learn about the safety of these vaccines unless we just start giving them to people. Boy, does that make me feel good. Does that make me feel confident? If I'm the consumer and I'm the test subject for this experiment, Bobby, um, that, that is chilling. Well, it is, and we have to keep in mind, and our listeners have to keep in mind that this data-gathering approach that they're going through is normally done behind closed doors, if you will. This is, this is what normally happens in stage three clinical trials. And again, to your point, this is, this is an emergency approval, which, by the way, if you read the FDA and the CDC's fine point, there are no ramifications. There are no recourses. They're fully protected. Absolutely. So it's not like you can get together a class action suit down the road and say, look what you've done to our children. And, and to your point about the emergency use authorization, in order for an emergency youth use authorization to be valid, there has to be an emergency. There's no emergency yeah. between 5 to 11-year-olds. Yeah, 2 in a million does not constitute an emergency. Obviously, all life is precious to us. Um, but as we know, big pharma loves statistics, and th- that doesn't uh, uh, substantiate the position. Yeah, and so so this whole um, if you can if you can run an emergency use authorization for five to eleven year olds for an experimental COVID jab, you can run an emergency use authorization for anything. You look at the suicides, look at teen suicide, look at the numbers there, look at the drug overdoses, the drug epidemic in our country. Look at the suicide amongst adults. I mean, these numbers are horrendous. And there's no emergency use authorization there, but you talk about the jab, we got to have the emergency use authorization. So I'm going to play this clip one time. Hey, before I do, here's the number to call in, 888-589-8840. Call in to AFA at the court today, 888-589-8840. This is Dr. Rubin, Dr. Eric Rubin, on the FDA advisory call saying, we got to give more people the shot before we figure out whether it's safe or not. Clip five. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. And that's just the way it goes. 
we're never going to understand about how safe this vaccine unless we start giving it to people. You know, and that's that's he 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 didn't just say giving it to children, giving it to people. Uh, so what he's saying there is, you know, we'll just find out later. But we're we're testing and gambling with people's lives, and and people wonder why there is shot hesitancy out there. Why is there shot hesitancy? Well, because the data is spotty. I've been telling you guys this for a long time. The data is spotty at best on the safety of this, and that's not even talking about the efficacy of this. That's not even talking about the efficacy of this. And uh, the Robert Malone, the mRNA technology brain, the, 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 the person behind this whole technology has said these shots are waning. They're leaky. They're ineffective past about 60 to 90 days, and that's if they're effective at all. And that's why they're talking about booster upon booster upon booster. Um, and, and no mention of natural immunity, by the way. Absolutely no mention of natural immunity. Um, we'll go ahead and go to the calls, go to the uh, the phone line, and I'll click on Linda here. Linda's out of Montana. Hey, good to have a listener in Montana. Hey, Linda, what's on your mind? Well, I was just listening to you talking about... Um the leaks that were coming out of the Justice Department. I have recently heard something about leaks that that Vice President Pence was one of the people leaking, you know, during his time in office and, you know, leaking bad things about Trump. Do you know anything about that? Have you heard anything like that? Well, I haven't heard specifics about the former vice president leaking uh, during the Trump administration. But here's what I will say about leaking in general in Washington, D.C., Linda. Uh, leaking is very, very common. It's uh, it's almost unusual if you don't leak in Washington, D.C. And when I'm talking about leaking, for those who aren't, you know, political insiders, it's when people release information to the media anonymously or privately or confidentially for pure political purposes, for per for pure political purposes or power maneuvering uh, within within Washington, D.C. Uh, but no, Linda, I haven't heard of, of uh, leaking um, by the vice president, Mike Pence, before. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just haven't read any, any stories corroborating that. Um, but once again, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Now, um, all White Houses are leaky. <laughs> Even the Biden administration, I'm sure there's people leaking stuff to the media now. Um, that's a real problem, honestly, in my opinion. That's a real problem um, when when there's a bunch of leaks going on in the administration. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, we, we like, as conservatives, we like leaks when it's about something that we don't like. <laughs> um, but overall, it's just not a good way to operate. But that's the problem. Washington's fundamentally broken. Uh, Washington's fundamentally broken, so honestly, people leaking is the least of our concerns. Uh, Jonathan in Texas. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to AFA at the Core. Hi, good to be on. Long-time listener. Yes, sir. What's on your mind, Jonathan? Well, I was just listening to the whole vaccine stuff, and these mandates are just, just crazy. I'm, I'm seeing people losing their jobs, and and even if the governors try to stop it, it doesn't seem to be working. And we're losing our freedoms, and I don't, I don't like where this country is going. Hmm. 
Yeah, you know, Jonathan, one 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 story I wanted to bring up, but I I, I failed to do that, and I'll go ahead and let you go and comment there. Um, Alabama Governor uh, Kay Ivey, she stood up yesterday and said, "We're not doing it. We're not doing this whole federal overreach thing." And she actually put out an executive order and a statement. She said, "Quote: I am adamantly opposed to federal mandates related to COVID nineteen vaccine, and adamantly opposed to state mandates related to COVID nineteen vaccine." Plain and simple. As long as I am your governor, the state of Alabama will not force anyone to take a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, There are states standing up against this, but to your point, Jonathan, there's really, um, the federal government has its tentacles so so deep, so far, so wide, um, that under certain circumstances, you're right. I mean, there's not a whole lot states can do about it. When you're talking about federal contractors and federal uh, contracts and 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 so on and so forth. So that's a major issue. That's a major problem. Um, but the states the states need to continue fighting back. The states need to continue fighting back. And on this entire Department of Labor um, order, which is not even out yet, by the way, you know the media keeps writing about this 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 order from Biden on private employers. That thing's not even written yet. That that te- the text of that order hasn't even been released to the public. There is no order from the Department of Labor or OSHA on private employers. But you've got these private employers around here, you know, scrambling to get everybody jabbed without an order. I mean, that shows the lack of understanding about how the system works. Uh, They think because Biden gave a speech at the White House that all of a sudden everybody with 100 or more employers, our employees have to get the shot. But I'll tell you one thing here at American Family Association, we're not doing it, plain and simple. And we need companies, not just Christian conservative organizations, we need companies around the country to say, we're not doing this. And if you have enough uh, companies and organizations say, we're not doing it, then the the Department of Labor and OSHA, they're going to be overwhelmed. They're not going to have enough inspectors to run around scrambling around the country, writing everybody tickets. Uh, so we need more states, more organizations, more companies telling Biden to take a hike. We're not doing it. And it's really questionable as to whether we even want to sue Biden or not. Because when the, the, here's the thing about lawsuits, and I'm getting on a rant here, and we'll get back to the calls, take one more call. But when you submit yourselves, yourself to the judicial system, you are opening yourself up to having to comply down the road if you lose in court. And so it's even up for debate as to whether we should even sue or not. How about we just ignore it altogether and act like it didn't happen? That might be the best route because if you go to court and you lose, then here you are um, having to obey some court order on something that is purely, blatantly unconstitutional and illegal. So I say we just don't do it. But I'll go to Jim in uh, Tennessee. Hey, Jim, welcome to AFA at the Court. Hey, nice to be on the air with you. Just got a quick question because everybody's calling in, and a lot of your your show has been about the federal government and the government trying to shut everything down and and, and keep work from getting out. If that were the truth, and and I use that word, you know, in its widest spectrum, truth, you know, the big truth. If that were the tr- case, there's this little organization called the Federal Communications Commission. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they have shut you down? Wouldn't they have 
stopped your broadcast? I mean, wouldn't they, if they really, really, if that's, you know, now I will agree with you that there are some, probably some employees, you know, that get into to jobs, not, not into office. You know, they just go down and they fill out applications. And they get into office and they become clerks and they don't have a single clue as to anything. You know, they're just, just kind of a deer in headlights. They graduated from high school, they got their degree, and they went on their happy way and got a government job. And they don't really have a clue, and they just think the best way they can, and they make a lot of mistakes. And I think there's probably quite a few of those at the White House as well, and maybe, you know, we get information from the White House through these things that we call leaks from some of these types of employees. But if it were the truth that our government, does not have our best interests in 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 mind. Would they not have turned around and said, "Okay, we've got to shut this group down, this American Family Association of Broadcasters"? And I understand that y'all are going to be moving yeah. over to the airways real soon. You're going to be moving off the air, which I don't even know how you're in my market because, honest to gosh, you know I've listened to your station for or, or to your program yeah. on this frequency, and at the top of the hour, y'all don't give your caller IDs that are accurate or even true. So I'm also wondering, Jim, where where are you located, my man? Hey, Jim, where are you located in Tennessee? What city or what area? We're in Chattanooga, and and we're listening to this broadcast on 105.1 in Chattanooga. Yeah, Jim. All right, I'm going to let you go. i got a minute left. Hey, Jim, uh, we just bought that station a couple weeks ago. That's why you haven't heard us yet. (laughs) We just bought that station in Chattanooga. So thank you for calling in, Jim. And why hasn't the FCC shut down American Family Radio yet? Well, because that would be illegal. (laughs) Plain and simple, Jim. And there is still the rule of law in America, and we just still have this thing called a constitution, thankfully, um, even though it's under assault every day. Uh, But American Family Radio is a licensed broadcaster around the country. And so that's why the FCC hasn't shut us down, because they would be sued quicker than a New York minute if they did. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.